Hello, I'm your host, Gemma Holbert, and welcome to the Yachts You Podcast. This space is entirely dedicated to authentic conversations about life at sea. Through thoughtful chats and real experiences, I talk with some of the most insightful men and women in the yachting industry. No questions off the table as we dive into the wonderful and absurd world of stewardesses. Before starting today's episode, I wanted to share with all of you a really exciting partnership between the Yachtstu and Salacia Yachting. Together, we have created and are launching the first admin-focused Chief Stewardess course. We cover everything from work lists to hiring with loads of downloadables and videos to make it as easy to follow as possible. The course is fully online, you can work at your own pace, and you will have lifetime access. If you are interested, head over to www.theyachtstu.com forward slash courses to learn more and be one of the first to sign up. Welcome back to another episode of the Yachtstu podcast. Today, I am joined by fellow Canadian, one of my girlfriends, Randy, and I am just so excited to have her here today. So Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. It's my pleasure. Now, the last time, and actually the first time we met, we've only met once, which is quite crazy when we think about it, was in Newport this past summer. We had a social distance wine night. We literally sat like (laughs) eight feet apart. We each bought our own wine. We each had our own snacks and we just sat and talked for hours and hours. So it's just so nice to have you on the podcast and for us to share a conversation together. Yes, definitely. It's nice to uh, make those connections. Even though COVID is keeping so many people apart, it's nice to be able to come together and touch base. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in there. And you have quite a unique journey in yachting. It certainly is a journey. You have not had a straightforward path. So I would love if you could share a little bit about how you got started and yeah, just your journey to where you are now. Before yachting, I was volunteering on a sail vessel in the Mediterranean. So that was how I got my STCW. And I had heard about yachting because before that I had worked at a yacht club and I would see like the crew come up and I was, you know, doing managing there and I would talk to them and be like, what do you guys do? And they would tell me about it. And I just thought, you know, obviously everyone thinks when they first hear about it, like that's incredible. It sounds crazy. I can't believe that this even exists. So once I had my STCW, I... It actually came up that I really needed to make some money to go to school because I had applied to fashion school in Paris. So the tuition was quite high. And I remembered, you know, meeting these crew and how all of the expenses are paid for, like for your food and lodging and all that kind of stuff. So that's when I decided, all right, I'm going to have to go yachting. I applied online for a job, super green, and I got really fortunate. My first chief stewardess, she hired me, flew me straight out to Savannah from Canada which is like a totally not a normal situation. You know, usually people have to go and be in the yachting hubs to get a job. Thankfully, I think it was my history of working on land at the resort that got me that leg up against other candidates who, you know, were maybe in Florida or whatnot. So that started my career and that was in 2010 and flew into Savannah and was just really like could not believe that everything had happened, that I even got the job. Like I almost didn't expect people to be at the airport to pick me up. I was just like, this is nuts. So that was really fun. (laughs) I was on that boat for a year, was a 60 meter fed ship. So it was quite spoiled, I think, to be on a fed ship for my first boat. 
that you don't really realize until maybe you go on, on some other ones. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that vessel a lot. But yeah, so I was there for a year and I was really fortunate to be able to do New York. We did a bit of New England. We did the Bahamas and then going over to the Med. So I feel like I got a really good cross section of the milk run, as it were. I ended up going to school and studying fashion in Paris. And then when my money ran out, I needed to go back to yachting and ended up going back and doing a couple of more seasons. And that's when I started, I met my husband now, Darren, who I work with, and he's now my captain on board. And I met him. And from there, we started, you know, finding team jobs together and working together we started running smaller catamarans together, which was really like good for his resume because he got drive time and he's doing the engineering stuff on that. And so from there, because they were so like so small and I had a split role, I had to learn how to cook. So I went from being able to make toast and cereal to like having to cook for charter guests, which is a really big, pretty large, like really, really steep learning curve. Like I remember the first lunch I ever made for the guests. I and my budget was really tight. I had to portion out my portions like down to the ounce. And I remember I made a shrimp Caesar salad for my first lunch guests ever. And I literally had like six shrimps per person and put it out there and they were like, is this all we're having for lunch? And then Darren came back into the galley and he was like, all right, so where's our lunch? And I was like, oh my goodness, I had forgotten to provision for us for the entire week. So that first trip, we ended up just eating like scraps that I would find or put together from like guest leftovers. It was, it was a good, good skill to learn. Be working with, you know, your partner, learning to cook, being in like a high pressure environment, but just kind of going with it. I think that yeah. is totally the epitome of you as well. You are just so brilliant at going with the flow and adjusting to the scenarios and, and you are always game to learn. That's something I really admire about you. So it does not surprise me that you just went in and figured out what to do and how to do it on the fly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I watched a lot of Food Network. I was <laughs> trying to learn what I could do. And that's kind of, you know, like you say, going with the flow. I feel like anything in life, it, life will be a little bit easier if you're willing to like go with the flow and be a bit more fluid but that's also I feel how my career has been in yachting it's not really been a straight line you know from there I went and worked on a private vessel doing a similar role which is you know it's a lot of work doing the split roles so after a few years of doing that I was ready to leave yachting as it were and we had bought a place in Fort Lauderdale and we were looking you know I was looking to settle down and get my green card which obviously you can't leave for a few months I told all the yacht crew agencies, I was like, I'm going to be, you know, based in Fort Lauderdale for a little while. I need to find something where, you know, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. And that was when some of the girls from Elite approached me about taking on a crew placement role with them, which I thought was, you know, it was a really big honor for them to approach me about that because in my mind, they're like one of the best agencies out there. I know that it was super hard to get in with them as a crew member to be represented by them. So yeah, that was really exciting to me. And I interviewed for their job and accepted it. And that was like my transition to, you know, I was so-called leaving yachting and going land-based. And that was a really good thing for me to do. I feel like I learned so much doing crew placement 
that I wish I would have known before I joined the industry or which I would have known a lot of the things while I was a crew member because I feel like I learned what you know what chief stews are looking for what captains are looking for what management companies are looking for which I didn't always get that feedback from my crew placement agencies like the people that I was working with you know I'd ask what's wrong with my resume or how come I'm not getting put forward for the jobs that I want and I never really got that feedback straightforward. You know, I was always like, well, there's lots of jobs out there or we have a lot of great candidates. And I was like, how can I be a great candidate? So I feel like I got to learn those, like what seemed like secrets to me, but I was, you know, getting to impart those to crew as well. Like, you know, helping them go over their resumes and make them look better and give them tips you know, or even just be like, you need to stick to a job for more than six months, stuff like that. Like just being able to help people and help them see themselves, how other people are looking at them, which was really rewarding. And that's such incredible insight as well. I think you are spot on in that there is a bit of a divide sometimes with agents and crew and it's nobody's fault. It's just Mm -hmm. if a crew agent posts a job, they might have maybe 50 candidates that you know, are eligible to apply. So it is hard and incredibly time consuming to go through mm-hmm. all 50 candidates and go, okay, well, I'm so sorry, but you're not actually going to be able to be put forward because of these five reasons or, you know, so on and so forth. So I can understand why that happens, but amazing that you had that opportunity to really look behind the curtain and go, ah, okay, this all makes sense. And this is how I'm going to do it a little differently to help the crew. Cause you're right. It is difficult to get in with some agents. Absolutely. So I'm sure that made a huge difference for the crew that were working with you at the time to have an agent that was like, right, let's get this sorted. How are we going to get you a job? And just be quite blunt about it. You know, if the crew member is skipping around, they need to be told, listen, stick to your job, do a season. Yeah. And sometimes people don't take it well at all. Like I've definitely had people tell me off and whatever, but I think that you know, for the most part, you can sense sometimes if people come to me or did come to me and were asking for help, I'd really try to find the time to let them know, you know, what they can do to make their resume stand out or what they can do, you know, moving forward with their careers. Sometimes people definitely don't want to hear it as well, which is totally fair. (laughs) What's important is just that key takeaway of crew members reaching out and going, listen, this is my CV. I'm not being put forward for jobs. I would love... 15 minutes of your time on a call to maybe talk through what else I can do. I think showing that initiative is actually really important and doesn't happen that often. Often you just send off your CV. Hi, I'm looking for, you know, a second stew position in this size range, you know, have a lovely day, leave it at that. But if you actually reach out, you know, the agents, they are going to want to help you because they want to place you. So it's a, it's a mutual thing really to reach out and ask for help because they're willing to give it. You just need to really take the steps of asking. That's so true. And I really saw that a lot working there. People who were tenacious, you know, maybe not checking in every day, but people who were once a week saying, hey, look, this is where I'm at now. Like if they've changed locations or maybe they've like started a course or they're like, hey, just wanted to, you know, let you know that I'm still looking or try to make like a personal connection it shows like the crew agents that you're really serious and that you're, you know, you're still here, you're still in town or you've moved locations, but you're still looking and it helps them know that you're really keen because there's nothing worse than putting someone forward for a job and then 
they're like, oh, they're actually in Barcelona now, or, oh, they're actually not really interested, or, you know, that's not their preferences or whatever. So I, I do feel like that I've seen that firsthand, for sure, that if you want to get noticed, make a personal connection with somebody that you're working with, and they'll take you under their wing, as it were. <laughs> Absolutely. And how have you found now that you're back on boats as a chief stew? your crew agency experience, has that changed the way you interview people, changed the way you bring crew on board? Has Have you noticed anything that you do differently now? Absolutely. So I do try to do a lot of narrowing things down. So when I was finding my second stewardess now on board, what I did was obviously collected all the resumes, looked at people who I thought, you know, are going to want to be in this job for longer than six months because at the time, COVID had just hit, and a lot of people were applying for jobs just because there was no other jobs out there. And so I got a lot of like really great candidates, like all the candidates were, you know, they looked good on paper. So I was narrowing it down and narrowing it down to people who a had longevity. So people who if they had been on a yacht, they'd been on a yacht for six months or longer or a year or longer, looking for people's tenacity, obviously, you know, because I didn't want to put all this effort into training someone who is just jumping around season to season or who had left a boat in the middle of the season. Like if they had left in the middle of the summer season or left in the winter season, um, a lot of the times I won't really consider that person unless, you know, you never know. They might have a story like they had a horrible experience or, but if there's a pattern there, like those people, I generally will put those resumes to the side and not look at them. So you know, I was looking at green people and I was also looking at, you know, people with that tenacity on board, people who had a lot of long-term positions. And even if the people were green, if they had long-term positions on shore, because that does show that they have the ability to hold the job down for a long amount of time. It's yeah. so refreshing to talk to somebody who appreciates green stewardesses because so often I do think they are overlooked and it is more work without a doubt. If you're going to hire someone that's never been on a boat, you're going to have to teach them quite a lot. But I think there is so much value to hiring someone that is green because they have a fresh set of eyes, uh, you know, a sense of curiosity and adventure and they're eager and willing and keen to learn. So I love that you, you know, you take that into consideration and, and look at their CV outside of yachting. I do think that's brilliant. Thank you. It was a really good choice for us, I feel, to consider the green candidates because I knew that I had some time coming up and I had time to train. I know that for some people, they don't always have that time and they need to hire someone who at least, you know, has a season or a year under their belt. Did narrow it down to four candidates who we ended up having video chats with. At first, I just had a little back and forth with them on WhatsApp, you know, to organize a time to talk. And then I spoke with them and then we spoke with them on video. So I interviewed them each individually and then we interviewed them on video with the captain and the manager. The video talks really show you a lot about a candidate. For example, the girl that we ended up hiring who is green, she was very professional, you know, well presented. Even though we had a FaceTime chat, her screen was still, it was in a clear frame. It, like everything was like really professionally set up, whereas some of the other candidates that we spoke to were literally skateboarding. No way. With like their hair blowing all over the place, which just didn't come across great with the manager. I mean, obviously to me as well, because I'm presenting this candidate as someone that I've interviewed before. 
you know, so there's those two extremes. Um, and we ended up going with a candidate, you know, who was well presented, who had, you know, their phone mounted, like was sitting up straight and not moving around and stuff like that. Not saying that that had everything to do with it, but she just came across very professional and polished. And I knew that if I hired her and I asked her to commit to me and give me like at least a year with everything I was going to teach her and train her, that she would give me that commitment. Whereas some of the other girls that I interviewed, they were kind of like, well, there's not a whole lot of jobs out there right now because of COVID wanted to apply because there's nothing else going on. And I was like, well, that's not a great reason to apply. Or, you know, there's some great candidates who had a year's worth of experience already, but I wasn't sure if they were going to be challenged enough. Um, just the, the size of the vessel that we're on, you know, obviously I'm really happy to give lots of responsibility away. And as people prove themselves, I'm happy for them to take more responsibility, but I just wasn't sure that I would be able to challenge her enough for a year. So it ended up working out really well. And I highly recommend the video chats. They're very insightful. Thank you so much for walking us through your hiring process. I don't often do video. I think because I'm so awkward on video <laughs> that I, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think at the end of there, they're going to think, oh my gosh, I don't want to work for that chief stew. She's a bit goofy. You're absolutely right. With the video, you do get a lot more of a sense of who they are, how they present themselves, how they're taking it seriously or not. I mean, mm. skateboarding, probably no go. I, I don't think that would fly with me. You work on board with your husband, who is captain, so your captain chief shoe team. How do you find that dynamic of your boss being your husband and, you know, having to maybe go to him with issues from the crew or anything along those lines? How do you find that dynamic? It's incredibly challenging. And I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love him so much. And we've worked on boats together for very many years and you know, I feel like they say, if you can work together on boats, you can get through anything as far as marriages go. And I feel like that's really true. But in this position, he was hired first and I was hired on afterwards. So I feel like that's really good for me because in a lot of the boats that we were working on before, we were hired as a team. And when there's such a small boat, like you, you are running as a team because it's just two of you. But there really does need to be that captain and crew dichotomy there really needs to be that separation of the hierarchy so it's very much like it's really challenging for me because I'm very headstrong and I'm very independent and I'm you know I really have a lot of opinions all the time and so we have to have like okay this is captain time and then we talk it's like captain and crew time and we you know converse about stuff and then he has to be like, okay, now this is me being your husband time and we can talk and, you know, talk about our personal stuff or talk about, you know, it's tough. Like I don't have anyone else on board to, you know, if I want to moan about something, I can't just like always go to him as well because he bears a lot of that responsibility. He carries a lot of that on his shoulders. If there's, you know, anything, you know, that, you know, you just want to get out of your system, um, so I find myself, you know, needing to turn to my friends or to my brother or something and just have a little, you know, if I feel like moaning, I can't always like weigh him down with that. And then also with him being the captain, just really having those clear lines of respect and communication. I'm actually going through your chief stewardess course now, and it's been really good to read. And I wish I would have read it sooner because I'm learning all this stuff kind of 
through trial and error with him and, you know, you guys have the hierarchy, how to work with that, how to make sure that you're including the captain in like your emails, for example. And it's been really, really good for me to read. It's definitely a challenge that I'm learning and working at every single day, (laughs) but it's great. It's nice to see him every day. Yeah. And a marriage, I mean, not to make this podcast episode about marriage, but marriage is working every single day. So I think it's just a bit of a heightened stress environment uh, that the normal (laughs) average couple maybe doesn't have to deal with. And thank you for your feedback as well on the Chief Stew course. I know myself and Amy from Salisha Yachting, we have just been really overwhelmed with the kind words from everybody about the course. So super pumped that you're taking it and that it's helping you out. Yes, definitely. I highly recommend it. You're so sweet. (laughs) So in addition to looking after the boat, you also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I recall you saying the chef on board only really comes in just before the guest. So you often do all the provisioning and a lot of the cooking for crew. Plus doing majority of kind of the admin duties with the manager. You were also co-founder of Adrift Film Festival, as if you didn't have enough on your plate. (laughs) yes I know I started it last year well um, Shelton you know asked me to be co-founder with him last year and last year I had a little bit more time on my hands I wasn't working on board I was doing my own you know running Nautic Nomad and doing a bit of my fashion and stuff so I did have more time to build it with him starting it at the ground up Thankfully, because we put in a lot of the groundwork last year, this year is a little bit easier to roll forward with. Now that the majority of our summer season is over up here in Newport, um, I have a little bit more time in the evenings and weekends to work on that. You are such a powerhouse. You're incredible. And from what we were talking about earlier about your involvement with the drift, you're essentially the chief stewardess, I would say, of the event. You're doing all the logistics, all the organization, everything behind the scenes, which so often gets overlooked, but without people like you, events would not happen. So I just think that's incredible. And what adaptions or or things have you had to change this year with COVID? Obviously, you aren't doing an in-person festival. So what's that process look like of changing it from an in-person to virtual? Been a really big change this year. And we've been really lucky actually to have such amazing support from the community from our sponsors from even people wanting to get involved especially this year like up till now I've been really consumed with my job so we've had a few partners come on board and people helping us out which I've just been really grateful for Shelton's done a lot of work as well with he has incredible talent it's really amazing to see like how everything is just coming together but we started talking me and Shelton a few months ago about how is it going to look this year? It was like really nerve wracking for me because I just know everything that's going on in Florida right now. I wasn't sure if people would feel comfortable with going to a live event, even though where we held it is outside at Park and Ocean. I know that a lot of vessels, people are quarantined on board. So I wasn't sure how many boats are going to be letting their crew even go boat if their boats are in Fort Lauderdale. So kind of how it was looking this year was we need to do something that we can help everyone come together, even though we're forced to be apart physically due to the pandemic. We're like, how can we do this? So what we thought about was doing it online, but we weren't sure, you know, really how that would look this year or if we should even bother because we didn't know how many people are going to tune in or how we're going to raise the funds for Yachty Global. Like, are we going to charge like a ticket price, you know, for people to 
watched the film ended up just deciding, look, we need to do something this year. We need to help people come together because we created this platform for people to be able to showcase their incredible work. Yacht Crew doing the videography, they are so talented and it's some of the most unique and rare footage that you can really get in the world. And to just be able to have something this year for people to, you know, even if maybe they lost their job, but they're you know, they're in between boats or they're looking to get back on yachts or, you know, maybe they're in between boats right now or, you know, maybe they found another job. Like just with COVID and everything happening, it was just such obviously like a really sad time for a lot of people. So we weren't sure if it would be a good idea to even do something that's, you know, showing all of these fun times on yachts kind of evolved this year is a really good halfway. You know, we're going to do something. It's going to be online. People can tune in for free and watch it. The categories are inspirational for creativeness, travel, or giving back. And then realism, videos of what it's really like to live on board with Yacht Crew. And we're saying quarantine videos are welcome, which is, you know, like quite suiting for this year. And then Mm -hmm. laughter, you know, we all need to have some laughter in our lives. And with everything being so serious, it's nice to have videos if we can get people to submit some laugh out loud videos. I am sure some of those quarantine videos are going to be hilarious. I have seen a few online already that crew have kind of posted here and there. So I'm so excited to see what people have submitted. And for those that don't know about Adrift or maybe didn't hear about the festival last year, it is a nonprofit festival and you do have a charity goal for this year. So what's your charity goal? I really just want to raise more than we did last year. Like last year, we donated just over $2,000 to Yacht Aid Global for Hurricane Dorian Relief. This year, the proceeds are going to Yacht Aid Global's Operation Nasama for Tropical Cyclone Relief in Vanuatu. Cyclone Harold hit Vanuatu in April amidst of the coronavirus state of emergency there. So Yacht Aid Global is working with, their, with Vanuatu's National Disaster Management Office to deliver recovery resources and disaster resources and stuff like that. Wow. You know, it's funny. I actually didn't know that you were doing it with Vanuatu. And my sister, she was a missionary for three years. And six months of her missions was spent in Vanuatu. They built a town hall and then a massive tropical storm came in. And while it wasn't fully destroyed, I know a lot of it was. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. That's really sweet. So for anyone that has some epic footage and just wants it to be seen, what is kind of the process and what is the cutoff date as well for submissions? Yeah, so what we're looking for is obviously things to be creative. If people want to go on and see some of the videos from last year's reel, they can go onto the Adrift Film Festival YouTube. Um, You can just search Adrift Film Festival 2019 on YouTube or go to adriftfilmfestival.com. Um, if you want to get some ideas, we're just looking for things to be creative. I find a lot of the, like some of the best videos are things that involve, you know, a handheld camera with drone shots, you know, ha- having different elements put together with them. But they, they can send in their submissions online at adriftfilmfestival.com. And the cutoff date is September 30th at midnight. Perfect. And something that I think is just absolutely brilliant about Adrift, especially from last year, is as someone who spends quite a considerable amount of time on on Instagram and social media, majority of the big players in yacht photography and videography are male, and they are great. Like They are really good at what they do. 
So I just think last year when you had two female winners, I thought it was brilliant because it maybe brought to light that, hey, guess what? Deck videographer doesn't necessarily have to be a guy. And I often see that job posted of drone operator, deck hand must be male. And then I watched uh, a drift last year and thought, well, this is great because maybe this is now going to open the door to, hey, where are the girls at that absolutely love videography and film? Let's get you on board and then let's get you creating and inspiring others as well. So I think that was really amazing from last year. Yeah, I was really inspired myself seeing like Shani and Holly put in their submissions and I was really blown away and it's actually inspired me to learn how to fly a drone. I love editing as it is like editing film, but to actually like start recording and just get your hands on it. You know, like I just asked my husband, I was like, please just teach me how to fly a drone. Like, I just want to try and just see if I like it. And I feel like women are naturally creative. Like it's just how, how we're built. Um, so I feel like if anyone's interested in learning about filming or if they already film, I really encourage them to get involved in and check it out. Absolutely. So how can people watch the film festival? So if they could RSVP online at adriftfilmfestival.com and then subscribe to our YouTube channel, we're going to go live on October 11th. That's a Sunday at noon. And the reel will play. It's going to be the top 20 best videos submitted. And everyone who gets chosen for those top 20 videos will also receive a $50 gift certificate B&H it's like a video videography store amazing so like have a little watch party on Sunday October 11th at noon awesome and I love that you picked that time as well because that's probably the best time for everyone in Europe everyone stateside because I'm assuming um that's eastern standard time yes absolutely thank you that's fantastic yeah so that means for those in Europe, that's 6 p.m. For those that are on the West Coast, a few of my friends are in San Diego. I'm quite jealous. Um, You know, that would be, what, 9 o'clock in the morning? So that's great. And go from one project to the next. So season's done. Right, film festival. After that, are you going to take any time off? Are you going to try and relax? Thankfully, we have some vacation planned for November, a couple weeks, and then we're going to have some time in December, luckily. Just take a minute to breathe. Snuggle my pets. (laughs) yes oh my gosh yeah how have you found that actually being away from your dogs for the entire summer it's been really hard I think four months is like it's going to be four months by the time I get home and it's a long time and we're looking at doing a five or six month Caribbean season and I just I'm just like bracing myself for it maybe home for a couple months and then off again so yeah you have to ask the owner how do you feel about you know onboard pets just see what they yeah. say. Just throw it out there. <laughs> Do you mind having a little black lab running around? <laughs> I love yeah. how you say little black lab as if black labs yeah. are tiny dogs. <laughs> so for anyone that is interested in the Adrift Film Festival or would love to kind of talk with you, maybe a bit of advice about crew agencies or, or hiring, where can they find you online and where's the best place for them to get in contact with you? Best for serious questions would be an email to randy r-a-n-d-i at nauticnomad.com or if they want to get in touch with me i'm on instagram my instagram handle is at randy at sea and that's randy with an i awesome and you have just shared a really great cocktail recipe as well so i highly suggest everyone pops over to randy's instagram 
and tries out that cocktail because I'm going to be trying it this weekend. Oh, awesome. Great. I've got a few really good bourbon ones if you want some other ones as well. Always. That would be, I mean, it's fall. Fall equals bourbon and whiskey cocktails to me. I love that whenever we get together and for everyone listening, you can just tell like Randy and I are very much on the same wavelength, big into seasonal things. So anything like fall decorations, fall cocktails, you know, it's like the second week of September and they're already out online. We're like, this is what you should all be making for the next two and a half months. Power of social media and in yachting is you are connected with people like our relationship where we didn't meet for maybe four or five years of our friendship, but we met and it was like no time had passed and we'd been friends for years. So I think that's just a beautiful thing about yachting and often on days that you maybe are a bit down or have a bit of a crappy day it's like actually I'm so lucky to have the friends that maybe aren't here in person but are around the world so this conversation is just such a reminder for me about that definitely and some of my closest friends I you know I hardly ever see like maybe every two years or three years and that the industry being that way it is hard and I feel like coronavirus is really exacerbated that but yeah it is a good reminder that we're all here and we can be here for each other just like one message away absolutely I love it well Randy thank you again so much for coming on and in amongst your crazy hectic busy schedule talking to us about crew agents working with your husband the film festival we have just gotten through so much and I just so appreciate your time thank you so much I really appreciate having me on Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could please share, rate, and review. Have an idea for a podcast topic or want to be our next guest? Get in touch through at the on Instagram or send an email to hello at the And be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode.